Namaste, namaskaram, vanakam, namo namaha, jai ganesh. Please visit our website at classicalyoga.org. And if you'd like to help us, there's a donate button. Conducting your own orchestra and the symphony of the Hindu yoga, religious, spiritual, scientific lifestyle. Now, just as one could conduct a jazz orchestra or a classical orchestra, there's music in general, and there are specific genres of music. So in this podcast, we'll give some general tips on learning to conduct our own orchestra, as well as some specific tools within the Hindu yoga, religious, spiritual, scientific lifestyle. EDME, EDME, Ethics, Devotion, Meditation, Enlightenment, in light we're meant to be. In general, to be successful in life, why not strive to have an ethical foundation and then be fully devoted to a person, to the task at hand, then be deeply concentrated, which is the definition of meditation. And if we keep up this practice, we will achieve relative degrees of success, or we could say enlightenment. Ethics, devotion, meditation, enlightenment. In the Hindu yoga, dharma, and remember, when it comes to yoga, that is specifically Hindu, And when it comes to the Hatha Yoga, postures, that's specifically Hindu, which is very different than stretching and relaxation in general. So in the Hindu Yoga Dharma, we term this general process of EDMA, Ethics, Devotion, Meditation, Enlightenment, Karma Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Raja Yoga, Gyan Yoga. Now let's look at each one of us. Certainly we are a body. We have emotions. We have a mind. And for now, let's say we have a soul. We Hindus call this soul the Atmana. So we could use Bhima, body, emotions, mind, and Atma, or soul in general. And this corresponds to E-D-M-E body and ethics as we begin working, devotion and emotions, meditation, concentration, the mind, and the soul as the enlightened experience. EDME and BEMA, or in Hinduism, karma, bhakti, rajayana, or deha, bhavaha, mana, atmana. In general, striving to live an ethical and honest life or taking on various qualities, either consciously or just been embedded in us from youth. We're trying to be strong, analytical and rational and thinking creatures and trying to avoid being hard and crude and mean and intolerant. And we're also trying to Incorporate softness, gentleness, creativity, and avoiding coldness, indifference, erratic emotional highs and lows, 
So in the Hindu Yoga Dharma, we explore these qualities in the area we call Kundalini Yoga, which is actually the result of living this Hindu lifestyle of Karma Bhakti Raja Yana, which stimulates the inner essence. And we now focus on the two hemispheres of the brain, the left brain, which in Hinduism we call the Pingala, and the right brain, the Idda, or sometimes pronounced Ida. Generally, these are associated with the more masculine and feminine traits, but notice that all of us, regardless of gender, we all, to one degree or another, exhibit these qualities. And they have positive and negative. For example, positive left brain or masculine qualities would be analytical, logical, rational, thinking area, also the religious area, rules, regulations, rituals, boundaries. And the negative male qualities would be hard, crude, mean, intolerant, inflexible. Positive right brain or feminine qualities would be soft, intuitive, gentle, creative, spontaneous, spiritual. Negative feminine qualities might be cold, indifferent, erratic emotional highs and lows, depression, anxiety. And it's clear whether we're at this moment a male or a female, we all have various degrees of both of these qualities, positive or negative. This is why in the Hindu Yoga Dharma, we venerate both the male and the female on the earth plane and the spirit plane. This is why we pray in the spirit plane, for example, to Shiva and Parvati, or Vishnu and Lakshmi, or Radha Krishna, Sitaram. And in Saivite Hinduism, we actually have an image of Ardhinarashvara, where we bring both qualities together in one body, the masculine and the feminine, half Shiva and half Parvati. In other words, consciously or unconsciously, living our life, we are trying, if we're seeking to live any type of an ethical life, to incorporate both of these positive qualities in our being and avoiding the negatives. In other words, knowing when to be analytical, logical, rational, thinking, and knowing also when to be soft, intuitive, gentle, and spiritual. This is learning to conduct the orchestra of our own being. And it's very interesting that there is something that connects the two brain hemispheres together. It's called the corpus callosum, and this develops as we age. And they've actually done studies on the brains of conductors of orchestras. And a conductor is a very special person because they are playing all of the instruments in their head. This is a right brain quality. And yet they also know all of the intricacies and the mathematics and the principles, the left brain qualities of each and every instrument. So they're bringing both elements together, the analytical, logical, rational, thinking, conducting area, and the spontaneous, joyful, musical area, left and right brain working together, which develops a strong connection or corpus callosum. And this is perhaps why people realize early on that there 
was to be some kind of a musical education in the school system, which somehow seems to have disappeared. Years ago, everybody had to learn to try at least play a musical instrument. And in playing a musical instrument, it's important that we learn also the analytics and how to read the music as well as play the music. Then we're balancing left and right brain together. In other words, learning to conduct our own orchestra. And if we follow this systematic pattern of ethics, devotion, meditation to enlightenment, recognizing our body, emotions, mind, and soul, we're helping to develop this balance within. And this is precisely what religion is supposed to teach, and certainly this is what we find in the mysticism and with a deeper understanding of the Hindu yoga religious, spiritual, scientific lifestyle. It's all of those things. Now, it is when we are feeling at our best that good chances are that we have a strong balance at that moment of left and right brain. And maybe a few moments in a day. It may be once in a while. Maybe just a few times in our life. But we know when we feel this intense vitality there is a balance happening here. This is what Hindus call kundalini yoga. In other words, living this lifestyle of EDME or karma bhakti rajayana to the Hindus helps to awaken this inner vitality or sap, if you will. And what is sap? Sap is the juice, the nectar of a plant. This could be the reference to soma in the Vedas. It is that which is essential to life and health and vitality and vigor, sap. However, there can be a totally opposite meaning. Sap can also mean to drain by sucking. Hence a sap or sap head, which is someone who gets the life sucked out of them, to be humiliated. And it is an insult directed towards someone who is considered a weak-minded person, a sap, totally opposite, when we're drained. In other words, when we're out of balance, living in the negative realms of left and right brain, when we're hard, crude, mean, intolerant, cold, indifferent, erratic emotional highs and lows, depression, anxiety. This is to become the opposite of vitality and vigor, but to have the life sucked out of us to be humiliated. And a sap has another interesting definition. It means a trench or to dig or to undermine, to wear away the foundation of something. Very telling here as we spend more and more time focusing on that which is negative in our lives, we drain our own vitality. So let's try a practical meditation here. And remember, when we use the English word meditation, it simply means to concentrate. We don't have to focus on anything of the religious spiritual nature at this point. Remember, EDME is simply ethics, devotion, meditation, or concentration. So close your eyes, take a couple of gentle breaths, 
And remember that we are a body and a mind and emotions. That's clear. So now sitting quietly, try and think of something in the past, some situation, some place perhaps where you were, some beautiful uplifting encounter with another person that brought you tremendous joy. Try to picture that in your mind. Again, it could be a place where you were, a person you were with. See that experience. And now breathe that experience into your emotions and feel it. Feel that experience, that joyful experience. Breathe it in and let it permeate throughout your body. So clearly see what you're doing here. You're using your mind to think of a past blissful moment, a joyful moment. Picture it. Breathe it in. Feel it now with your emotions. And then let those emotions radiate through the physical body. Feel the body start to tingle and become energized. There's no hocus-pocus here. This is a reality. You're using the reality of your being, your mind, your emotions, which affect the body. Breathe that in. Let that expand. Now, let's focus on these inherent qualities without having to think of the person or the place. Feel that energy, that emotional feeling that flows through your physical body. And it actually makes you feel lighter as opposed to heavy and depressed. You feel light. You feel that tingling. Your mind is calm. This is a very positive way in general to using the mind to bring in a past experience of joy and bliss. Feel it through your emotions and let that emotional feeling radiate into your physical body which at this moment feels no pain. Take a deep breath and exhale, relax. Now, if you happen to belong to one of the specific religions of the world, such as Hinduism, when we use the mental imagery, and this is one of the benefits of religion, as we have been to special holy places, perhaps the deities that we picture in our mind, we use those as a sense of joy and bliss. And perhaps those images have great symbolic significance to us. For example, as Hindus, we look at the image of Ganesha and learn all about that symbolism. His big belly, for example, reminding us to be content. So we use the mental imagery 
and the powerful feeling of what it is to feel contented. We start to now feel that emotionally. And then physically we feel content. We feel everything's okay in this moment. This is how as Hindus, we specifically use mental imagery to induce a certain emotional feeling, which then radiates into the physical body. If you belong to one of the other religions of the world, you may use this imagery also. But it's important to understand what we're doing here. We can do this just in general. You can imagine perhaps that you're back in, perhaps, or on a beach in Hawaii. And bring in that visual experience. Feel it in your emotions. Feel it through your body. You may feel waves of pleasure flow through your physical body. Then, if you happen to be following one of the religions, you can use some of the imagery that's specific to your religion. Again, see what we're doing? We're trying to learn how to conduct the orchestra of who we are in general and also our specific aspirations in life, our specific inspirations, our chosen fields of study, religion perhaps. Now, coming out from this experience, let's just think for a moment If we spend our days dwelling on all of the negative things that have happened in our life, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to affect the emotions. They're actually going to affect how we feel in the body. Doctors often say stress kills. The mind and the emotions affect the feeling of the physical body. And we all have had negative experiences and we've all thought about them. But let's look at how illogical it is to keep thinking about that which is basically gone in the past. Keep blaming others, keep thinking about negative thoughts. Sooner or later, we all have to take control of our life, no matter what we have done or what has been done to us in the past. That's over, and we have to get over it. So let's look at how illogical it is to keep thinking of those negative things. Think if you had a bottle of poison on the shelf. Would you drink that poison? You know what that's going to do to your physical body. You have the choice to not drink it. All of those experiences in the past, they are gone. We only hold on to them if we choose to. Why hold on to that poison? Why drink in that negativity, which we're going to feel in our emotions and it's going to affect our physical health as well. So we don't want to be sap in this sense. We'll make an acronym. We don't want to be silly and pathetic by constantly dwelling on the negativity of the past. However, this does not mean that we do not recognize negativity or when things go wrong. For example, we don't want to be spiritual and not practical. Meaning we don't want to be a sap in the sense of being taken advantage of. We don't want to be weak-minded 
We won't we don't want to deny the negative experiences in life. For example, we can't wish away a toothache. We have to be very practical about that and realize something has to be done. So when there are negative encounters, we have to face them. So this is when we truly become sap in a positive way, the inner nectar of the plant, learning to conduct our own inner being, and we become spiritual and practical. We realize that we can go to a beautiful place inside of ourselves of pure love and light and energy. This is what we Hindus call the Atmana or the soul, Satchirananda, love and light and energy. But we also realize in the everyday world that this is not meant to dismiss any wrongdoing or negativities in life. We just face them. Hence, we become spiritual and practical which is very different than being silly and pathetic where we constantly dwell on the negative or when we become the sap in the sense of a weak-minded person and we actually deny the dualities of life. Now, it's not for nothing that we speak of love at the heart. This in Hinduism is the Anahata Chakra where we feel this expansive feeling or its opposite when we think we fall out of love and our heart becomes crushed. Our goal is to open up this heart, let it flourish, let it blossom. And it's in here that we find our youthful, loving warrior spirit. It takes courage to find that inner sap and be spiritual and Practical. This is actually what it means to be spiritual and religious both. Religion is the practical part, the positive left brain. The spirit is the positive right brain part. Remember the movie Hook? Very profound lessons there. Robin Williams playing the character of Peter Pan, which he at first didn't know he was Peter Pan. That was finding his inner child, the soulful child that he was destined to uncover. It was there all the time. It's just covered up. True to all of us. So in the beginning, he was really silly and pathetic. He was constantly dwelling on the negative. He was a power-hungry lawyer. And then he had to take his journey to Neverland, right? To find his child again, his inner child. And for a time, he got lost in the inner child and forgot that he had children and had an adult world to go back to. So he became a sap in that sense of being weak-minded, where he denied the duality of life. He denied that he was a parent with children. Eventually, though, he found his happy thought. And then he came full circle and became spiritual and practical. Now he took care of business in the world, took care of his children and his family, but kept his inner child. This is something that we all have to do. Innocence by birth, innocence lost, innocence regained is the mission at all cost. So let's all strive to be the conductors of our own orchestra. In general, just strive to be ethical, devoted, meditative, concentrated, and you will get the ongoing experience of feeling light, of seeing light, and light and meant, and light we're meant to be. Recognize your body, your emotions, your mind, and your soul. 
and then incorporate the wisdom of your masculine and feminine natures within. Be analytical, logical, rational, thinking. Take control. Recognize boundaries in life. But also be soft, intuitive, gentle, creative, spiritual of nature. And definitely avoid the pitfalls, the holes that we often dig and jump into, of being hard and crude and mean and intolerant and revengeful and constantly thinking of the past, being silly and pathetic, being weak-minded, and avoid being cold and indifferent with erratic emotional highs and lows and depression. When we get in those holes, we have to climb out of those holes and start over again. Just continue the climb of EDME, ethics, devotion, concentration and meditation to the ongoing experience of enlightenment. And if you follow one of the religions of the world, follow what is prescribed within them. If you're interested in the Hindu yoga dharma or following that, follow the lifestyle of karma yoga and bhakti yoga, raja yoga, gyan yoga. Enjoy the music of life. Play it. Experience it. Conduct it. And you'll find that inner joy and love and light and energy and peace. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. P.S. Prajna Samadhi. And speaking of peaceful beings, let's take a lesson from the trees. And in the Hatha Yoga of Hinduism, and remember, it's honorable to recognize the specifics of a religion. And Hatha Yoga are specifically Hindu devotional postures. We learn from nature and from various Hindu spirit beings, such as Shiva and Vishnu, hence the term Hatha Yoga. When we look at the tree, we call it Vrikshasana. And you can stand in tree pose, which means simply standing on one leg, balancing. And the tree is a vivid reminder of this religious spiritual process in general and the Hindu yoga religion specifically. The fully mature tree has several things going on simultaneously. Roots, tree trunk, branches, leaves, flowers, fruit. We liken this to the classic ongoing lifestyle of karma yoga roots, the ethical roots of our life. The tree's trunks reaching up in a prayerful position, so to speak. Bhakti yoga. Branching out to the flowering, the royal raja state of contemplation, raja yoga, and the many aspects of raja yoga, the two hemispheres of the brain we discussed, to the final fruit of enlightenment. And if the tree continues this process year after year, it develops into a fully mature fruit-giving tree, giving its fruits freely to all. Again, why religions freely give their teachings. And importantly, what we don't see is what's happening on the inside of that tree. This growth process 
is developing the inner sap, the inner essence. We too, as we live this lifestyle in general of ethical roots, being devoted, being concentrated to the ongoing fruit of enlightenment, if you will, we are developing the inner character, the development of the inner spirit, the Atmana. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti.